The thoughts, opinions, and general overall shade thrown on Hyatt 9 News are those of the individual speakers and not those of Hyatt 9 News, its audience, or its advertisers. The statements made do not constitute medical, legal, or financial advice. And for advice tailored to your specific situation, please consult with a licensed professional. Welcome to the Hyatt 9 News Hour, where you will hear from cannabis industry experts and professionals from around the country talk about important topics while shining light on global issues and discussing cannabis as it relates to politics, regulation and reform, data and technology, science, research and medicine, family and parenting, art, celebrities and entertainment, fitness, sports, mental health and wellness, and plant-based medicines and entheogenics. Together, we are building a stronger community, fighting the stigma and creating change. With your hosts, Jason Beck and Rico Lamite, joined by special industry expert correspondents from around the country and daily antics brought to you by Cannabis. Coming to you live every Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific time and high noon on the East Coast. And thank you all for getting high at nine with us. Oh, yeah. Good morning, everybody. That's right. It is Wednesday. It's hump day. It's February 7th. And today is National Girls and Women in Sports Day. Yes. I'm, I'm all about that. It's also Shout Nash- out to Brittany Griner. I'm not going all right, there. Right, Jason? I'm not going all the way there. Track, track. there. Oh, no, and I'm not going all the way there. That was, that was Fuck cute. Me. That yeah. was cute. I guess uh, Yarrow's having a good time over there. Can you hear me? We hear you, Yarrow. We heard, we heard <laughs> all that, bro. We heard all that. What's wrong with me? Uh, well, I mean, where do you want us to start? <laughs> Yarrow's trapped in the land of tomorrow. <laughs> it's I also national. Yes, it's also National Periodic Table Day, National Ooh. Fettuccine Alfredo Day, and National Send a Card to a Friend Day. I think everyone should take this day to make sure that they send some jail mail to some of our pot prisoners. What do you guys say about that, Rico? I think that's an excellent idea, Jason. I'm with that. Since it's send a Big card to, to a friend day. Is doing that already, and let's uh, increase the number of uh, letters that go out to inmates. Yes, and thank you for joining us and getting high at 9 with us. It's also high noon on the East Coast, and please remember to like, share, check, and subscribe check, to us on all check, social check. media platforms. You can look down below on your screen <laughs> to see exactly where we live on the Internet, and we are live every Monday through Friday on YouTube, Rumble, Twitch, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and on our very own website at www.highat9news.com. So welcome to everyone joining us from any one of those platforms. Yaro's trying to figure his shit out, but today we are going to start off with everyone's favorite T.O. Loco. That's right, Mr. Dale Schaefer. He's the founder of Armada Law and at one point in time did some time for a cannabis crime. That's right, it is none other than T.O. Loco himself, Mr. Dale Schaefer. Uh, good morning, everybody. I'm appearing out of order. I've got a um, meeting at 10 o'clock, so i got to boogie out of here. But my, uh, my story this morning comes out of Law 360. And the headline is a pot merchant must pay partner 6.4 million over ownership spat. And as I was reading this, it reminded me that we've talked a couple of times about um, federal courts and whether you want a marijuana case in front of them. Because to be blunt, they're schizophrenic as hell. And this is another sign of their schizophrenia. Um, 
And it involves uh, a partnership dispute where one wouldn't honor their contract to the other. And, you know, there was a hidden agreement to keep them out of the licensing authority's view. And it turns out that uh, we had some real shitty lawyers in all this, in my opinion. So let me back up a little bit here. Uh, the plaintiff and the main defendant here have almost the same last name. So what they, they call him is Mackie and Josh. Josh is the plaintiff, and he had a dispensary in Colorado for years, earned some money, got some business experience. And as Maryland opened up for legal cannabis, he partnered up with a, another guy whose last name's almost the same, but his first name's Mackie. Josh and Mackie formed doctor's orders for Maryland, and it turns out that Josh was on deferred judgment for a misdemeanor drug case, and they thought that might screw up uh, the Maryland licensure. So they had a secret agreement. He would surrender all of his interests. I don't know if this is an LLC or C-Corp, but he was going to surrender all of his interests temporarily until they got licensed and all the interests came back to him and everything's going to be golden. They transferred his interests, and I'll be damned if his partner, Mackie, decided that, well, I ain't going to give you shit now. So um, they got their license in Maryland, but... You know, the, the plaintiff was not given his shares back. He was on the outside looking in, and it seemed to be pretty successful. They set up an LLC in Maryland called Trellis, where all the interest ran through. And this, you know, it's more complicated than today's discussion. It's pretty typical to have agreements off the books if you've got somebody who may have something that they don't uh, want to tell the licensing authorities about at the local level. Uh, and then afterwards, they spring up and they run these businesses. And you know, it's not always kosher, but it happens. Well, when he did, when the plaintiff uh, Josh didn't get his money, he sued in federal court. Well, I try to stay out of federal court, just because you don't know what you're going to get a judge who decides that anything and everything violates the Controlled Substances Act. We can't help you here. Or you're going to get a sympathetic court like we have here. This is filed in Colorado. Uh, in a federal court in Colorado, and the case actually went to trial. And all through the trial, no one ever questioned whether the federal court had what we call standing subject matter jurisdiction to, to hear this case. So they go through trial, get a $6.4 million judgment against Mackey and his company, and nobody appeals. It's, you know, they're they're not paying. So Josh goes into court under a Rule 69, which is getting an execution of orders. And this is when shit really gets real, because I've done this a couple of times. You get a judgment and no one's paying. I go back into court, get a debtor exam, find out their accounts. We get an order from the court. We walk over there and empty their accounts with an order. And people tend to get real upset about that. But hey, you got a judgment against you, you don't pay. You should expect to have someone come take your shit. Hey, well, they issued an order uh, executing against assets, and that's when they got new lawyers, and the new lawyers decided, hang on for a second, these guys don't have standing here because we can't offer them a remedy. There's no controversy we can fix here for them, and they don't. the court doesn't have subject matter jurisdiction because of the Controlled Substances Act. This is the first time after the case had been tried, no one appealed, and here we are, you got an order of execution, and all of a sudden, oh, this is a big problem in federal court. Well, this particular federal court um, decided that, no, we're not going to buy this bullshit. We can fashion a remedy here because the remedy is money damages. 
We don't have to scratch and sniff where the money comes from. This is a basic contract dispute. You agreed to do something. You didn't do it. We used your numbers to find how much the value of the contract uh, breach was. And this particular court said, nah, we're not buying this. You're going to pay the money. Okay. Um, so that that's where the, the court left it. But the lessons here are, if I was to advise a company, you do not want to be in federal court having a pissing match over a cannabis company. Well, if you live in different states, it becomes very difficult. That's why we have what we call diversity jurisdiction in federal court. The substantive law of the state applies, but you use federal procedures, somebody lives in a different state. Okay. We, we don't know how this is going to turn out because this is going to go to the appellate court. We have an appeals decision in California, I mean, in the Ninth Circuit here, where they allow this or That's where the Colorado is that we're going to allow this to go forward because we have a recent Ninth Circuit opinion that allows federal jurisdiction. But that's not the end of all this. Uh, and one of the other themes here is be careful who you trust. I don't know if this agreement, this off-the-books agreement, was in writing. Uh, I'm going to say it was because the court found uh, liability fairly clearly here. Uh, but I've seen these agreements be off the books, and they're hard to enforce because they're basically liars' contest. You want this stuff in writing. And the other part of this that be careful of is that uh, you may have a lawyer, but it doesn't mean you have a good lawyer. And if you go all the way through trial and forget to raise certain defenses, it turns out your new lawyer goes, hey, hang on, you should have raised this or that defense. Like, well, that's why we have malpractice insurance. So be careful who you get in bed with uh, because they may help you <laughs> in the end. Be careful where you have your, your hearings or your case go because federal court's schizophrenic. And be careful of the lawyers that you hire because just because you got a law license doesn't mean you know what you're doing in a courtroom. We've had some recent examples at the, at the um, national level where some attorneys just screwed a case up so badly <clears throat> that I'm wondering, uh, I hope their malpractice insurance will cover a $500 million loss. Oh, anyway, back at you. What do you guys think about this? Be careful of the lawyer you hire and get out. Don't go to federal court if you can help it. So back at you guys. What do you think? Man, Dale, I mean, this sounds, this sounds like a lot of uh, social equity contracts that I'm familiar with. <laughs> Well, and you and I both know I've negotiated some of these off the books mm -hmm. agreements where yep. you live there or you're the right color or whatever. We'll give you 10 grand to stand there and look pretty and say you're a 51 percent owner. And as soon as that license is granted, you're yep. on the quickest bus exactly. to a sanctuary city. Yep. To Timbuktu. That's right. That's right, Dale. That I, we got I mean, I guess my first question is here. Aren't they putting themselves in a precarious position by having a situation where this off the books agreement is now being entered into evidence in a federal proceeding? Like, aren't they providing evidence that they more or less defrauded the state of Maryland during the application process? Well, <clears throat> that was actually litigated in trial and judge didn't put much stock in it. Um, now I've seen some agreements that are clearly in violation of our rules and regulations here in California. I don't know what their rules are there. 
But I've had many people want me to help them, you know, set up a company where they run it off the books. And the answer is the fuck I will. I get, I maintain my license through federal prison. I don't need your bullshit anymore. No, I'm not <laughs> going to do it. But <clears throat> I, I, you know, I just don't have a problem telling them no. You know, I don't need to be back in prison or lose my license. Not everybody does that. And it it's just not clear to me in every jurisdiction if these licensing authorities are specific enough to capture some of the minds of these fucking criminals that I've had to work with who go, oh, it says I can't do this, but there's got to be a loophole somewhere. I'll find it or I'll just keep it off the books and it'll be fine. No, you get caught, you can get in trouble. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean— Man, I I just know so many different uh, companies that have these different types of like side agreements that it's like we have one agreement that we submit to these different licensing agencies and we have a whole nother agreement that we actually operate by. Oh, yeah. it's 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 common as mm-hmm. you know and i've yeah. negotiated some of these i've had people call me up said i'm female i'm black i'm in the residence i'm in the right place i got a marijuana felony whatever i qualify um so can you get me some money mm-hmm. they don't want to run the business they just want to be there and look pretty and have the right requirements and then get money and i've gotten some of them quarter million dollars just for staying there and look pretty so it's like paying me was worthwhile it's completely illegal as far as i'm concerned at a thirty thousand foot level Mm -hmm. because you're you know you're defrauding the local government but as a as a verified social equity applicant, I think in San Francisco and Sonoma County, I just want to raise my hand and say that I am available to stand someplace and look pretty for a quarter million dollars. My son introduced me to a recent term called look maxing. I am willing to bleach my teeth yet again. I'm, I'll even do a little Botox. Should go get some. Uh, go, go get some veneers. Look maxing. I, I will do some Botox. I might even lift a few weights if you need my biceps to be a little more puffy. Um, Creatine, quarter million dollars, holler at your boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me too. I got a marijuana felony. You know, I'm looking for some income. Yeah. Uh, Holler at me. Throw that money in my trunk. I'll be happy to take it. Oh, man. I I got plenty in the trunk too, okay? I'm looking real yummy. Make sure y'all support uh, Dale's OnlyFans account. Yeah, dropping the links. So. <laughs> We're gonna throw it. Yeah, my federal prison was hard on me, guys. It was hard on me. I bet. How hard? Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> Only thing funny. I got is a law license. That's I got an ex-wife now and a, and a law license. So, so you're saying I I went I I went to the slammer and all I got was this lousy law license. Is that what you're telling us, Dale? Yeah. Well, I actually activated it in prison. <laughs> It's because it, it pissed off the security folks inside prison. Well, not to mention, not, well, not to mention, not to mention, Dale. If you if you activated it in there, oh, I mean, man. at the same time too, then that 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 just uh, basically gives you free commissary from all the inmates from doing all the legal work for them because there is a ton of legal work. That's like the best place for a lawyer to be to get clients. Well, I accepted food and uh, you know haircuts and things like that. Exactly, but you're styling. Taking, taking direct money can get your ass whipped. So I just I do it for free. You want to give me something fine? Food and is then all the tribes in jail. campus protected me. You're damn near the pod boss in there, Dale. D- Dale, were you like the the king of the woodpile, the shot caller? I- I was the chief wood. Okay. I didn't know what a wood was until I went to yep. prison. Exactly. The chief wood. Chief wood. And on that. Oh, yeah. I'm an old white dude. <laughs> and on that, we're going to go to a commercial and we're going to be right back. Oh, man. That was weird. Hey, you America. Do I look like Sean Connery? <laughs> <laughs> 
Good morning, America. Saman Razani coming to you live from sunny Los Angeles, California with the one and only highest host, Mr. Jason Beck, smoking on the best weed in the world. Did you know that we have an audio-only version of our podcast? You can find it on Apple, Google, Amazon, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. No excuses in 2024. If you haven't checked us out, check it out now. And also, check out what The Prophet's doing in 2024. Oh, boy. Yeah, I can be bought. Mm -hmm. That's right. He has an hourly rate. Twice the amount to lie to you. Just remember that. Yeah. Oh man. Up next, we have the uh, highest Republican in every room that he goes, known for smoking the best weed in the world. But also, today he's a little melancholy because um, a couple of Florida men are having a rough go at the law. Stop it. We're not going to talk about that. We're going to he's got some heat for us Stop in it. the cannabis industry. Jason Beck. Stop it. Bro. Sounds like oh, horseshit to me. I'll tell you I'll tell you who's rough. I'll tell you who's having a rough day. It's the people that are in Yarrow's story and in uh in Soham's story. Those are the people that are having a rough day. But nonetheless, I'm going to go and get to this. This first story for you guys. There's a Pennsylvania governor calls for legalization of marijuana, you guys. That's right. Pennsylvania Governor Josh Shapiro called on lawmakers to legalize marijuana during his annual budget address. They must be looking for money. Five of the six states bordering Pennsylvania have some form of legalized marijuana, whether for adult use or for medical use. In a quote, we're losing out on an industry that once fully implemented would bring in more than $250 million in annual revenue, said Shapiro. And our failure to legalize and regulate this only fuels the black market and drains much-needed resources from law enforcement it's time to catch up, he says. Shapiro said the legislature should send him a marijuana legalization bill that should that should ensure the industry is regulated and taxed responsibly. Shapiro also called for expunging the records of those convicted for innocent possession of small amounts of marijuana and in quotes, let's stop hamstringing ourselves and start competing, said Shapiro. Pennsylvania lawmakers have pushed for adult use marijuana legalization in the past with a bill um, with a bill most recently being introduced in December of 2023 by Senator Sharif Street, a Democrat from Philadelphia, and Senator Kamira Bar Baratola, Republican from Beaver Green, Washington. Pennsylvania legalized medical marijuana in 2016 under Governor Tom Wolf uh, for patients with a serious medical condition through a safe and effective method of delivery that balances patient need for access to the latest treatments with patient and care and safety. Governor Shapiro previously offered his support for the decriminalization of adult use uh, marijuana, saying our state legislature should pass a comprehensive marijuana reform, including legislation in May of 2021, a tweet and noting that too many Pennsylvanians are locked up for marijuana offenses back in August of 2022. And last year, Shapiro signed a law updating the definition of medical marijuana, making it easier for growers to sell their product. Well, 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 it sounds like in the great Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, they're looking for a little bit of shifty changes in their programs. But nonetheless, you know, Pennsylvania has a history of over-regulating, so I'm very leery to see what their legislature would put forth. But nonetheless, this is Jason Beck for the High at Nine News. What do y'all have to say about this? Hmm. It's going to be a, um, I think it's going to be another cartel state. 
I think they should just medical cartel state. They should just give the industry to the Amish. They should just give the industry to the Amish in reparations. <laughs> I want to see the delivery wagon. <laughs> Exactly. You see the difference, Jason? Since you want you want to open that can of worms, I'll take that bait. Yep. Yeah. The Amish want to stay in the 1800s. Black people in the 1800s had a different go at life than the Amish did. Okay. Just leave it there. Interesting. Interesting. Are the Amish asking for reparations? Yeah, I think they were. I just don't think their message is loud enough because they don't have a megaphone. Do they want a megaphone? I, I, yeah. Are they even on the internet? <laughs> very cute, Rico. Very cute. <laughs> no, I just I, I feel I feel like if they leave it up to legislature, they're just gonna screw something up. They need to have some advocates put together yeah. some type of common sense bill um that 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 voter, voters would pass or something because i just feel like this legislature is going to screw things up in pennsylvania they're they're they're, they're i mean the, yeah they're, they're, their medical they're, system is a is more or less a, a cartel state right exactly exactly right. It, it is very right. very limited at least at least prior to what changes they have done before then it was extremely extremely limited and very difficult uh for patients to even qualify for a recommendation in the first place Everybody's just gonna be getting their they shit. They treated uh, like depleted uranium, and you you cannot get these knuckleheads who are in these legislatures to understand that your child's not going to die if they hear the word marijuana. Mm-hmm. No, no one's died from this shit. It's not fentanyl. Stop it! Stop it! Stop it! And every time they take a little baby step, as we all know, the the you know the trap wins. And they're out there doing business right now. If you want to get it back from them, you've got to compete with them at a level where people will go to your businesses, honestly, because the business can run because of the regulatory and tax costs are within reason. Mm-hmm. If you don't do that, the traps around the corner are going to take their money all day long. And I said this so many times to legislators and to policymakers, it just get it's bullshit. Well, horseshit. I got touched two horseshits. It's so hard to look these people in the eye and go, you're supposed to be intelligent, college educated. What about this can you not comprehend? Mm -hmm. Okay. The black market's out there taking all the money. If you want to do anything about that, then you're going to have to compete with them at a level where your policies will make it profitable to compete with them. If you don't, they're going to continue to win. It's it's not rocket science. And these these economic schools will be talking about this for decades. It's like, how could you be so stupid? Well, we're watching it every damn day. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Very, very true. Very true, Dale. Any other thoughts on this, Yaro or uh, Soham? No, I mean, obviously, we want more states to be legal, pass an adult use bill. I guess, you know, at this point, we're just going to wait and see what happens with with their legislation. And um, I mean, seem, you know, there's been rumors the past couple of days about um, representatives from some MSOs providing testimony in, in Pennsylvania. But mm-hmm. I think at this point, it's just wait and see and hope that they don't do what they've continued to do in a lot of those very limited licensed East Coast markets. Mm-hmm. Yes, I mean, I, I just, I just, I just expect that they're going to do something. Like, if they do anything, I feel like they're going to do something similar to our next story coming up next. That's right, it is the dope dad himself, Mr. Rico the Meat. He is the Quasimodo caretaker and the man that, when he's on sales calls, dances to the Cabbage Patch. That's right, it is none other than the dope dad himself, Mr. Rico the Meat. Maybe one of these days you're gonna get me to dance, Jason. But yeah, uh, 
Yes. No time soon. We're all about the dance, bro. <laughs> all about the dance. So, uh, you know what, Jason? I'm not too sure about anything in life these days. I know. One thing I have 100% confidence in mm-hmm. is that the trap is absolutely thrilled with the latest regulatory developments going down in your favorite state of the union, Florida. Oh, yeah. Last week, we covered Florida's House of Representatives' approval of HB 1269, significantly raising proposed cap on THC levels for marijuana flower to 30%, up from 10% in the bill as originally introduced. Although we all said 30% up from 10 was an improvement, consensus agreement was that there should not be any caps on THC levels, even if we're just talking about adult use. But leave it to the uh, good old Sunshine State GOP-run government to do what they want to do and not give a damn about the people who put them in office or any of y'all's feelings along the way. Because yesterday, Florida's Senate approved a nearly identical bill, SPB 7050, which, if passed, would officially make Florida the third state in the U.S. to impose a market-wide potency cap on adult-use cannabis. Much like HB 1269, SPB 7050 received a favorable vote by the Senate Health Policy Committee proposing a 30% THC cap on smokable flour. It also calls for all other forms of marijuana, except edibles, to be capped at 60% THC, with adult-use edibles in Florida having a maximum allowed amount of THC of 200 milligrams per package and 10 milligrams per serving. Should SPB 7050 pass the full legislature and be signed into law by Governor Ron DeSantis, Florida would officially join Connecticut and Vermont as the only states to restrict THC and smokable flour, and it would become the largest market by far with any restrictions of the kind. MJ BizDaily's Chris Roberts reported that in committee on Tuesday, Senate lawmakers repeated familiar concerns voiced by the House counterparts over high-potency THC's possible ill uh, health effects. Other lawmakers said that they would prefer to let voters decide on the amendment rather than make changes legislatively. Those other lawmakers were all Democrats. Mm-hmm. They seem to be for the people in Florida. What was up with the Republicans, Jason? Oh, God. Stop it. Senator Rosalind Osgood said that if voters are going to speak the ballot initiative one way or the other, I want to give the process an opportunity. Florida law requires 60% voter support to pass a constitutional amendment, but a recent Florida Chamber of Commerce poll showed only 57% of voter support for adult use. What do y'all think? Is Florida looking like they're going to put a stranglehold on uh, your uh, uh, your access to anything over 30% in the in the flower realm? Is the trap just licking its chops, ready to enter the Florida market right now? So many questions, so little time. Let's talk about Florida. I'm Rico Lamit, the dopest dad on the street for High Nine News. Uh, Rico, well, I'll go ahead, Yar. I'll go ahead. I mean, I'll chime in on this, right? So because cannabis is a plant, <clears throat> cultivators are limited by how much control they have as this beautiful plant continues to do its best to have its highest genetic expression. And so I think what's going to happen is we'll see lab shopping. And instead of people paying for high potency rates, they're going to be like, hey, yo, dog, put me at 29.9%. And every 
jar and bag of flour on the shelves is gonna coincidentally I don't, and just I'm not, I'm not I'm not buying that that's gonna happen, Yarrow, because I don't think any of the flour currently being grown in Florida is actually over thirty percent in the first place. Well, they can call us Cali cats, and we'll help them coax to the threshold of an <laughs> acceptable. Well, limit. Let me let me let me, let me even take yeah, it. Matter, let me take I, I, it a I step see, further. I can see stuff being uh, exported from New York. Let me take it a step also further. Also with California labels on it. Let, let me let me <laughs> let me even take it a step further. I don't think that there's really any strands that anyone produces anywhere in the country that are really over 30% THC in the first place. Because if that was the case, all the BHO boys would be all about whatever strain that was because it'd be the highest yielding strain in the country. I mean, I think I think Yarrow's point is generally correct, though, that creating an artificial cap on the amount of THC that can be sold will, to some degree, result in people taking advantage of the lack of standards and regulations around lab testing. I think like that's undeniable. And it's maybe this is partially what we need for regulators to actually come in and provide bring in experts and provide real standards on sample selection and testing right now maybe this is the you know the kick that they need in the ass to get that going but overall this is just another form of prohibition right whether or not there is real cannabis that actually is over 30 percent thc or otherwise if people are seeking out strains that have that on the label Mm -hmm. then there's going to be a market for it and the trap will fill that need if it's not allowed to be filled over the counter and there's a gap in thinking right because a lot of regulated cannabis programs have borrowed their sort of construct from adult use alcohol and the alcohol model whether it was distribution mindsets labeling etc and in alcohol you can take a beverage and you can run it through a reverse osmosis system and you can pull off a little bit of that alcohol and bring it down below. And in alcohol, often, for example, wine is taxed based on the percentage of alcohol. So if you go into a store and you get a nice bottle of cab, you're going to see a lot of 147 14.9% because there's this, I think, tax threshold at about 15%. And so everybody will make their good juice, their vino, and then they'll draw off a little bit of that alcohol to be below a certain tax threshold. So for regulators and, and policymakers that don't understand where that alcohol adult bev construct falls apart when you're creating cannabis products i can understand where this miss would have occurred i just my hope would be that regulators are listening to industry and especially people who actually cultivate cannabis and don't just go to some symposium soirees and seminars put on cufflinks and represent companies and that they understand that this really is an artificial restriction on farmers. And Jason, separate mm-hmm. is your point about whether there ever is this 30% THC. It's like yeah, it's like the four-minute mile. You remember when bullshit. people didn't think you could get past the four-minute mile and all of a sudden these athletes started, mm-hmm. you know, reaching that threshold. I just don't think that I don't understand the public policy benefit of a cap at all. Well, here's here's I, my I would question. Like to, I would like to rebut uh Soham's uh, a comment of uh letting it uh, leaving it up to the experts. Mm-hmm. When you're talking about Florida here, experts are 100% for hire. The Surgeon General of I'm a Florida, Florida I'm a just Florida last expert. month. You want to talk about the Surgeon General? Oh, I, about how did that you guy see, is, is just you, chilling for anything did you that see, uh, Ron DeSantis puts it in front of him, Jason? Did, did, did you the Surgeon see, General no, last no, did, did month, you, you see. last month he said that COVID vaccines can contaminate human DNA. Yeah, he did. <laughs> I, I, watched, I watched that whole interview uh, with him on Tucker. I thought it was fascinating. 
I'm thoroughly enjoying Very being contaminated yes. by those vaccines. Thank yes. you. These are, these are the quote unquote <laughs> experts that Florida has. I mean, there, so I, I would not I, be. Yeah, not, let me let me clarify. I didn't mean. I didn't mean. I'm not mad. Experts at, yeah. from within the state. <laughs> They can look outside of a state of Florida to find experts. The, uh, you, you tell anybody from Florida that it's Florida against everybody. And, and Florida will be like, well, you can do this in the, in, in the other 49 states. But here in Florida, we do things different. And uh, we're going to uh, we're going to listen to our Surgeon General. We're going to listen to our experts and our experts tell us whatever Ron DeSantis wants them to tell us. And uh, that's going to be law. I'll tell you this. Believe me, I've had I've had discussions with smoke shop bros in uh, in Delta eight shops in in Texas. And uh, <laughs> we understand. Man, that's yep. I, I'll tell you what, though, Rico, I totally trust the Florida uh, uh, Surgeon General way more than I trust the U.S. Surgeon General. I'll tell you that much. And, and why is this, Jason? Uh, just just based off of just strictly based off even the interview with Tucker. And I encourage everyone to go and check it out. The interview with Tucker. Yep. And, and see, Tucker is so prominent in Jason's circles. He doesn't even have to have a last name. Just Tucker, it's like share, okay? It's, it's, yeah, <laughs> the key here is let's remember Florida's amazing uh, legacy of building safety standards and all of the other types of regulations that they keep stand us up. Safe, they, they, right? stay, they stay in place during hurricanes, Yarrow. No, we got condos collapsing. Let's go back 24 <laughs> months. Remember all the people that are pulling out of the anymore. rubble? What's that? That's, that's, that's one thing that we have in, uh, in common with uh, Florida here in uh, California is. Um, Nothing's really insurable anymore. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so cute. But um, qu- qu- quick question, Rico, before we move on to the on to the next. Yes. Um, d- did it happen to mention uh, this this cap? That if it would affect um, uh, uh, edibles and concentrates and vapes and things like that, or is this strictly for flour? Because I think it's a yeah, really big so, deal yeah, if yeah. this is going to affect those yeah, products. It said there would be a sixty percent cap on everything except for edibles. Edibles are in their own category in Florida, um, but everything else, including tinctures, including like any other uh, product period, 60%. So what's the point of putting a 30% cap on flour if I could buy a 60% vape? Now, don't you I'm start well, here's going the, here's the whole logic, logic on me. Jason, Jason that. Hold, on, hold on a second. I, I, I can tell, I can tell you that. Annexed. <laughs> Jason Beck. I can tell you all about that. I mean, the, 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 the sense of it is, is, that, is that the vapes, the vapes, when you look at the vapes, the vapes are usually like 80, 90 percent uh, uh, THC on all the packages across, across the country for the most part. And so the regulators are like, hey, we have a vaping epidemic, da, 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 all these young people are doing all this and we want them to have less THC. So therefore, we need to make it uh, make it a lower threshold. But I don't necessarily agree with that 60 percent percent threshold. I just feel that when you do that, then you're giving uh, consumers um, and just lower grade quality products from what they are actually intending on purchasing. But, 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 what? But there what? could be a positive unintended oh, consequence, oh, boy. which Here is all go. of a sudden you've got a bunch of 60, 65% THC and a bunch of high terpene extracts. And all of a sudden the whole vape cartridge market in Florida goes real <laughs> gourmet and bougie. And you've got some pr- emphasis on flavor because they're going to have to fill the rest of that cart with something. And it might as well be terpene. <laughs> or they're or they're just going to dilute some disty with, yeah, with more just... terps and more like glycol and shit. Exactly. To, that's to bring that's it what down it's going to be. It's going to be more PG. <laughs> and more vitamin E acetate and all that fun stuff that you guys love to put in your vape. But but I guess, I mean, I understand your point, Jason, about relative to other states, those vapes are less powerful. But my question is, doesn't it undermine the purpose of having a uh, a potency cap on flour to also sell a 
product that's yeah. twice as potent as that? I don't know. No, no. I don't, I don't think it is because I think they're two totally different products and they're actually called the concentrated product. So just, just like, just like if you were to buy a gallon of orange juice, right? You can make that same gallon of orange juice with one small can of concentrated frozen orange juice. That, I, that That's how, that's how I view it. It's the same. I thing. mean, I guess my question is this, it'd be like, if there was a cap on, for example, wine, like wine cannot be more, we want to limit the amount of alcohol that people drink. So we're going to put a cap well, on there is, wine there's that a it can't be more of an, that is a cap. Yeah. But this, that's tax related. I'm, this is supposedly a public safety concern, right? But at the same time, I could go into the same store and buy Everclear, which is 95% grain alcohol. Doesn't that undermine the public safety argument of putting a potency cap on something? Not a tax related cap like, like we were discussing earlier with I, wine? I, 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 don't, I don't think it undermines, undermines the public safety because, I, again, I've, I view them as two totally different types of uh, products. But I, I, I understand what you're saying. I do understand what you're saying. I, I get it. I just don't happen to, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't follow that that total logic. But it's okay. It's gonna be all right. I promise. But Florida, you need to I, stop I the cap game. already. The, the, the Florida Republicans just, the Florida Republicans are are just giving the Democrats um, just material to run on. It really doesn't them. matter. They're not this. D Democrats in Florida couldn't run if they had racing shoes on. Huh? Just well, telling what's his you. name um, uh, was pretty close. If it if it wasn't for pretty Trump's close. endorsement of DeSantis, that's what they that's what they a, call uh, the first place loser. A, uh, Democratic uh, 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 governor. That, that's what they call the first that's place facts. loser, bro. Pretty close. I'm saying. I mean, I feel like DeSantis is given. I feel like DeSantis has given people something to run against, right? Like separate, <laughs> if you have something to run for, they he's given people a lot to run against. Who DeSantis has? Yeah. No. No, he has not. No. If you're attacking videos of him, you got you got you got your priorities. I'll, I'll put it to you. Not only that, he seems to be like the least charismatic person of all time. Like he's a little sweaty too. He's a little sweaty, <laughs> little schmitzy. He is, but I'll, I'll guarantee you this. I'll guarantee you this. If he was allowed to serve a third term as governor, he would win by a landslide again. He dropped Florida. out of the presidential. Not by a landslide, by a collapsing condo. Did. There's he's a difference. Oh, man. <laughs> Loser. Uh, we're gonna go to a commercial and we're gonna be right back. The control tower from Highly Educated has perfected the dab. Utilizing the concept of thin film evaporation, you can waste none of it and taste all of it. The micro texture of the SE pillar increases nucleation at elevated temperatures. And with the tower propelling at 2600 RPMs, it's certainly the most efficient dab experience to date. The control tower from Highly Educated. Oh, yeah. Stop whatever you're doing. Make sure you hit that like button. I know you'll appreciate it. YouTube will appreciate it. And, of course, that's right. We will appreciate it, too. Also, make sure you're subscribed to the channel if you're not subscribed already. And all of the articles that we cover on today's show, you can read directly on our website at www.highatnightnews.com. I'm Jason Beck, and this is Smoky Vanilla. And if you want to feel as good as I look, then you need to get yourself a stretch and smoke with Smoky Vanilla. That's right, baby. I'm Smoky Vanilla with my background in kinesiology. I'm a sports massage therapist and stretch coach. I focus mostly on athletes who have chronic pain or injury due to their sport or the legends of the chronic in the game, baby. Oh, yeah. You know what it is. We just stretched, and now we're going to smoke because you know what it is. 
That's right. I love intuitively creating a session based on the individual I'm working with. We'll go through a few assessments, look at the past health history, injury, or anything that's still affecting you today, and create a customized session just for you. Let's go. Yee! Our next correspondent's got a, over a decade of regulated Canatech and data experience under his belt. He's currently working on a pro athlete focused lifestyle brand called Grind. Oh, yeah. Y'all know who's coming up next. Mr. Soham Shah. Come on, on the stage. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so, my story today is reported from Marijuana Moment, and it is another. So another piece of the saga and the ongoing fight to get cannabis either rescheduled, ideally removed from the Controlled Substances Act altogether. Um, earlier this week, some rumors have been floating around social media among cannabis journalists and industry insiders that potentially the decision to reschedule cannabis from the DEA was imminent. However, Biden administration officials have disputed the... Uh, that that uh, announcement is coming. So industry stakeholders and several prominent cannabis journalists have signaled in recent days that an announcement possibly pertaining to the ongoing review into marijuana rescheduling is coming within days, but according to the administration source who uh, declined to be named, that will be waved off, and that's quote-unquote waved off. Uh, while high-profile lawmakers on both sides of the marijuana debate have been recently promoting their positions on the scheduling discussion and urging the DEA to act accordingly, the Biden administration official who asked not to be named told Marijuana Moment on Wednesday that they'd wave off any rumors. Um, of course, it's possible the official who spoke on the condition of anonymity might not be aware of the possible forthcoming announcement. Um, sensitive disclosures like the highly anticipated uh, scheduling process are often held close to the vest, but claims of an imminent action have yet to be verified. Um, this rumor has picked up a lot of steam on um, cannabis Twitter or X. Uh, I've seen a lot of the people that are pushing it seem to be uh, supporters of the MSO gang or uh, the group of publicly traded uh, cannabis stocks that uh, operate in multiple states. Um, that seems to be where a lot of this is, is gaining steam. But again, there's been no confirmation from any actual administration official. Uh, Last week, for example, a Republican congressman who long opposed marijuana reform uh, told the DEA and FDA uh, that they came to a misguided conclusion and recommended uh, rescheduling cannabis uh, and imploring the DEA to dismiss them as it prepares to make a final determination. In a separate letter, as I reported last week, uh, to DEA Administrator Ann Milgram, uh, Senators Elizabeth Warren and John Fetterman, along with uh, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer and uh, several other senators urged the DEA to go further than rescheduling and completely remove cannabis from the, uh, the Controlled Substance Act. Uh, the DEA has maintained that it has final authority over the matter and can make any scheduling determination that it sees fit. But again, we have no indication either way. Um, that's really what we have so far. Um, people continue to insist that potentially before the end of Q1 or before the State of the Union that President Biden wants to... Uh, received that decision from the DEA, but um, as of now, we're still speculating. So I guess let's hear from from the rest of the team uh, on what are your thoughts on this? What do, what do we have uh, in the pipeline here for the, the CSA fight? 
Man, I'll tell you what, Soham, I, there, Twitter was ablaze with all these uh, all these little tweets of these people saying, oh, big news coming out this week, big news, we got some inside tips, da 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 And I'm willing to bet that this is all just some hype by the MSO gang trying to rally their stock price because That's, it's That was so my low. first thought, too. Oh, yeah, it's it's a pump. pump. They're yeah, pumping it up. Exactly. Man. They're pumping to yeah, dump. They're pumping, they're pumping to dump. Exactly. And this, is, this news cycle is the gift that keeps on giving because yeah. uh, I I think I saw I thought I saw one other industry cannabis industry insider uh explain it as it's like the whole cannabis industry is getting ready to celebrate Christmas but the thing is we don't know what day or time it's going to happen you know so there this is a this is an endless stream of pump and dumps for MSO gang every single week they could come in and be like oh we have an imminent you know, we have an imminent uh, decision coming and watch that stock go up, ride it all the way up and dump everything and then wait for the next week and do it again. Did you know? How Canadian. How Canadian. This is a dream. The cannabis, yeah. cannabis stocks are, are dream targets for I you just, for volatility I'm traders just, up there because all you have to do is just follow the headlines. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then not to I mention follow. half our journalists are... are, are, are Sources are all pay to play now, like exactly. you know Forbes and a bunch mm -hmm. of these guys. So like, you can plant stories about an imminent decision, like it's nothing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, th th that's the whole thing. Is is like, you, I, I'm surprised that you didn't have the MSO gang uh, clamoring around the story of around all the senators calling for descheduling. Right, like this mm -hmm. with with them, like like because that would have been something that they could have clamored around to, to to rallied around to raise that raise their stock prices over on the market. But this this just just utter speculation with no 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 muster behind it is just is just confusing to me because I think it's because it was it's Kristen Gillibrand that was behind the her the descheduling uh, remarks, and uh, she doesn't have as many allies um, abroad as. Um, the rescheduling crew, I guess. Mm. Yeah, you know, you know what would get this moving though, probably just get Nancy Pelosi to start buying up a bunch of MSO stock, and once they post it on that, well, on that for, portfolio, hold on, first then you'll start all, seeing some all, real movement. Dude, hold on, first I, I of all, have, it would not have, be Nancy Pelosi. Pelosi it would be her husband I Paul. Tracker, follow her trades. It would. It would Man, not be honestly like that's a really good idea. I've been thinking about that, Rico. Like, why don't you just track her? I'll why don't you? Link. You should do the Nancy Pelosi stock index. You'll be a fucking millionaire. Hold on, it's actually. I'll send you a link. Literally, it's a Pelosi tracker. It's, it's, it's <laughs> actually like, called the Paul. Dude. It's called the Paul Pelosi tracker, you guys, because it's the husband that does all the all the deals. Well, the last person who tracked Paul Pelosi ended up in prison, so um, I don't think you want to do that, Jason. Too soon. Is it really too soon? <laughs> <Give it laughs> yeah. You're talking about that homeless guy? <laughs> you said it, not me, Jason. <laughs> oh man, you guys, this is yeah. I, I, I you know, I, the more this is just more speculation, more more hoopla. This is just a, just a big big pump and dump by the MSOs, and that's. I mean, I I feel them like if they're if your stock's at zero, the only way you can go is up, and so this is a way to get it up. Either that or the blue pill. Oh man, you know, and on that, we're gonna go to a commercial, and we're gonna be right back. <laughs> Get ready for the 20-year anniversary celebration of the Emerald Cup. The Emerald Cup will be held at the Henry J. Kaiser Center for the Arts in downtown Oakland, May 4th and 5th. Get your tickets now for best pricing. Cannabis categories include flower, 
three rolls, solventless concentrates, solvent concentrates, cartridges, edibles, topicals, tinctures, and alternative cannabinoids. So enter early for your chance to be a winner at the 20-year anniversary Emerald Cup competition. Oh, yes. Coming up next. That's right. It's the Sebastopol Sage, who's been having a little trouble with his power today, but it looks like he's all powered up. That's right, because yeah. he must have done powered some real Powered by the estate. CCP. Yeah, powered <laughs> <coughs> Powered by the CCP. Oh, man. That's right. It is the Sebastopol Sage himself, Yarrow Kubrin. <laughs> Oh, good morning, good morning, good morning. Let's talk about let's talk about my favorite VP. <clears throat> All right. Well, let just a little little intro here. For those of us who've watched her career since her time in San Francisco, I feel like our uh, disdain is a little deeper, a little more rooted in her CV, and has nothing to do. Uh, with uh, her current position as VP. Uh, and I love a black woman as VP. I'd love a black woman as president. I just don't like this one. And without further ado, VP Kamala Harris touts marijuana patterns and pitched to black and young voters saying nobody should be jailed for smoking weed. Vice President Kamala Harris says the administration's move to pardon people for, mar for federal marijuana possession offenses is an example of how it is delivering for Americans, particularly young and black voters, who could be key to President Joe Biden's re-election bid this year. The White House also cited the cannabis clemency move in a new fact sheet <laughs> on efforts to advance racial justice and equity and ensure the promise of America for all communities. Speaking with Gray, D.C. and South Carolina ahead of the state's primary election last weekend, Harris was asked about the significance of the black youth vote for the Biden-Harris campaign. She stressed the importance of reaching that demographic and said cannabis clemency is one action that should be uniquely appealing. Another issue is what we have done to pardon tens of thousands of people for simple marijuana possession under federal law. Because frankly, no one should have to go to jail for smoking weed, Harris said. So these are some of the things that we have done that I think really do resonate with young people, with black voters, with young black voters, and with young black men, she said. Also citing efforts to increase access to high-speed internet and fund historically black colleges and universities. And there's more to do. While Harris said tens of thousands have been pardoned under President Joe Biden's October 22nd and December 23rd clemency proclamations, the Justice Department estimates that roughly 13,000 people have been granted relief under the executive action. But inflated rhetoric around the pardons has been a constant theme, with Biden himself frequently exaggerating the impact by falsely suggesting that people were released from prison over marijuana and that criminal records were expunged. A pardon simply constitutes formal forgiveness, and nobody who receives a pardon was actively incarcerated in federal prison over simple possession. As advocates have also pointed out, there are still people in federal prison over the nonviolent marijuana offenses. They've pushed the Biden administration to do more, including keeping his key cannabis campaign pledge to decriminalize marijuana. 
In any case, the White House on Tuesday touted the marijuana pardons and a separate scheduling review Biden initiated in a new fact sheet focused on how the administration is taking steps to advance equity and opportunity for black Americans and communities across the country. The president has taken steps to right the wrong stemming from our nation's failed approach to marijuana by directing the Department of Health and Human Services and Justice to expeditiously review how marijuana is scheduled under federal law and in October 2022 issued categorical pardons of prior federal and D.C. offenses of simple possession of marijuana and in December 23 pardoned additional offenses of simple possession and use of marijuana under federal and D.C. law, it says. While white, black, and brown people use marijuana at similar rates, black and brown people have been arrested, prosecuted, and convicted at disproportionately higher rates, the White House said. Meanwhile, the Justice Department is now seeking White House approval to update its data collection process related to marijuana pardon certificates that it is issuing under the president's expanded clemency proclamation. People who are eligible for the pardons don't need to apply for a certificate. The relief is automatic, but the administration wanted to give individuals an opportunity to have it formally documented if they desire. The Justice Department was quick to open the updated applications and has already begun issuing certifications. While Biden campaigned on marijuana decriminalization and Harris sponsored federal marijuana legalization legislature during her time in the Senate, the pardons in the administrative directive for federal agencies to review cannabis rescheduling represent the extent of the marijuana reform actions in the White House to date. I almost feel like I should reread that for our, our, our listeners and viewers. <laughs> the pardons and an administrative directive for federal agencies to review cannabis scheduling represent the extent of the marijuana reform actions in the White House to date. Under the directive, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services has recommended moving marijuana from Schedule 1 to Schedule 3 of the Controlled Substance Act. And it's now up to the DEA to make the final call. But repeatedly touting his mass cannabis pardon and, schedule, and scheduling review, it seems Biden is aware of the political popularity of marijuana reform. And a recent poll suggests he stands to gain significantly in terms of favorability if his scheduling directive results in a reclassification under federal law. It found that voters' impression of the president jumped a net 11 points after hearing about the possible implications of the rescheduling review. And that includes an 11 point favorability swing among young voters 18 to 25 who will be critical in his re-election bid. All right, let me kick this off before I hear from my esteemed other panelists about what they have to think about today's headline. Let me just start with this. Harris was not Stacey Abrams. I was so happy that Biden chose a black woman as VP. I was not happy that this was the black woman he chose as VP. And for those of us who followed her career as a San Francisco native and watched her ascent to power in no small measure because of who she dated and the plum political appointments she received from Willie Brown on a variety of boards, as well as making it a misdemeanor for parents to have children who were truant I have to say, I am not a fan, and I don't identify as red. So let's talk a little bit about this optics and grandstanding. When people uh, say, right. first okay. of all, can I just say this is a little confusing, Yaro? Can oh, you put oh, together? Oh, a, can you put together Yaro, a fact Yaro, sheet Yaro for us? Yeah, yeah, Yaro, you gotta close. <laughs> Yeah, What's that? we were both trying to jump into this shit. <laughs> Go ahead, Yara, finish this out. Yeah, yeah. So let me let, let me just finish this riff, ramble, and rant, and then y'all can have the floor. So when when those of us who are on the left, centrist, or progressive side say, and there's more to do, I'm tired of hearing that. 
when you've been in office for years, don't tell me there's more to do, do the more. Secondarily, when we talk about simple possession, nothing is simple about possession. Cannabis needs to be created, then it needs to be distributed, and then it needs to get to people who have simple possession. So to suggest that simple possession is the place where we should see reform is to disregard and dismiss the way in which cannabis has historically been produced, distributed, and then given to people who can then have simple possession. Anyway, I'm going to let my other panelists hop in on this. This is today's news. This is Yaro Kubrin, High at Nine News, Wednesday morning, February 7th. You go first, Soham. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I mean, first, I was I was joking that, you know, maybe we could get a fact sheet on on Kamal Harris's career. But no, I, I agree with a lot of what Yaro said. As it would be blank. Somebody who's it would be blank. So, hum, if they created a fact sheet based off. Of no, there'd be like two. There'd be like two lines at the top there. <laughs> Plus, we want to include all that stuff about, you know, her implementing the mandatory three strike policy in California as the attorney general. And that's why any any time she makes a statement, first of all, she's also a, a terrible public speaker mm-hmm. and since she's become vice president. She was a lot more articulate on the campaign. But some of the stuff she said as VP is it just has me cracking up. But I, I get a good laugh anytime I hear her touting things like criminal justice reform and cannabis policy reform because of all the different policies she implemented as the district attorney in San Francisco, as the attorney general of the state of California. It's just so beyond hypocrisy. And then there's no real action happening here either. As Yara pointed out, uh, simple possession is not everything. And especially when you talk about federal crime, possession is something that's usually prosecuted at a state and local level. So the number of federal prisoners that would be incarcerated for simple possession it should be almost zero. Mm-hmm. It was. Um, it was. So, no, yeah. no one was released from jail yeah. because of these pardons. Yeah. So, um, like, uh, I Big share your sadness with with the uh, evolution of Kamala Harris. Um, you being brown, me. Yeah, being I was gonna black, say. Yeah, <laughs> she she being both of those. I feel like she does not represent either of our people. Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. I think South Asians right now have a absolutely terrible representation in presidential politics we got nikki haley we got vivek ramaswamy we got kamala harris so i come on like somebody somebody better has to be out there you know right so, I, so, so, yeah. my, uh, so my response like, like on this is it's it's nothing more than sad pandering and mm-hmm. I think this is the absolute worst time to do this and to lie to uh the, the, the quote-unquote younger black voters when they're leaving your party. They're waking up mm-hmm. to the bullshit and to the lies. Uh, and I think uh, the Democratic, um, and I'm sorry to all my liberal friends and everything out there, because I know I'm going to get heat for this, because every time I talk shit about Kamala Harris and her terrible job that she's doing, um, y'all need to stop. It's been 30 years. Mm-hmm. Like, Ice Cube should have been a wake-up call exactly. for y'all at the end of the last presidential election. Straight up. The Democratic Party has not done anything that had any long-lasting effect positively for the black communities, not gonna paint us as a monolith, for black communities over the last 30 years. And this continual pandering and bullshit and lies, people are waking up to that shit. And the next generation is a lot smarter and they have access to more information than we ever did with Mm -hmm. our old asses, and it's going to bite y'all's asses. Mm -hmm. So if y'all want to- Speaking of ass biting, in in preparation- Stop lying. 
Speaking of ass biting, in preparation for reading this article and knowing that I already had a bias against uh, our vice president, I did a little bit of research so that maybe I could offer some positive things that she had done in her There's career. There's nothing positive she's done. Especially as attorney general of California. And so here is one notable asterisk that is worth commending her for. During... Uh, Post subprime mortgage meltdown, California was offered $4 billion in that. And she said no and eventually got $20 billion. So I do want to give her some props for that. And when it gets to chummy circles that don't hold themselves accountable, she chose not to prosecute a bank whose CEO was Steve Muchen, yeah, who Steve eventually Mnuchin, went yeah. on. To have mm -hmm. a position in yeah. government along with her in the same administration. The thing that I would just oh, yeah. point out. husband again? And not, I don't know. I don't, I don't really. It's some guy. Some guy. It's a white he guy. He has two kids. His, his name is Doug. His name is Doug. His name is Doug. Do the research on Doug and see what uh, she's done for Doug. And so, well. I'm just saying. So the challenge that I have is that. I have people in my sphere. I remember Derek Washington from high school in San Francisco who was prosecuted by her. I remember Jamal Trulove who was framed by the San Francisco Police Department for a murder he didn't commit, subsequently winning $14 million. And all of that happened during her tenure. And so it's a challenge for me to hear the words that come out of her mouth because unless she had some ayahuasca-inspired seismic shift in the way that she sees the world, it's like having an executioner finally decide they're gonna put down their ax and then talk about peace, love, and patchouli. And so I'm not saying that all prosecutors or former prosecutors have blood on their hands, but I know the blood on this woman's hands, and I know that it doesn't wash off so easily. I, I agree with and, you, Daryl. And one more thing, one more oh, thing, ahead, yeah. one more mic drop. Go ahead. She lied about Tupac. She, she never did. listened to Tupac. Remember that. If you look Remember at the timelines when timeline, yeah. In the back of her friend's car uh, uh, when she that was in college. That timeline don't Tupac. add up. Tupac was not out when she was in college. Exactly. She's a liar. That is total fake news. That is 100% fake news right there. And, and I feel like we should have a litmus test for all politicians and policymakers about A, whether you've listened to Tupac, and B, whether you would lie yeah. about listening to Tupac. Because uh, Tupac why? is to American culture as much as a Norman Rockwell painting is. He His music his contribution is enmeshed, woven in to a certain not era. That, not just that, Yarrow. As a black, as a black male, and so I'm gonna make this connection. I'm just speaking for myself, and but I'm sure, like I, I know, I'm not even I'm sure. I know other black males have said the same exact thing. Tupac is much more than just an artist to the black male community around my generation. I'm 40. And years look old. at who his mama was. Yeah, yeah, coming up. So, so, so coming up under Joe Biden's legislation, under Bill Clinton, and all these, all these fools that put away our fathers and put away our uncles and brothers. Instead of trying to heal people, you're throwing them in jail, calling them super predators and all that shit. Tupac was much like a father figure. He's much like a almost on the level of like a Jesus figure, a in Nobel a lot of black poet laureate. Yes, who spoke to really, a generation. Yeah. Yeah, he was everything to a lot of people coming up in the 90s, mm -hmm. like straight up. And for her to just totally dismiss this and like, oh, I misspoke. Like, like no, you lied. And, and to brush off and, 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 and to put our feelings towards somebody with of, of that magnitude to our communities as a a signal of hope to our communities fighting back against the the, the bullshit that you represent. It's 
it's pandering in its worst form. It's just straight up lying and it is it's disingenuous and it just shows that you never trust a cop. Stop the cap. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm with that. I'm with that. You know, I, I'll, I'll say this in, in regards to this. I was uh, I was on her medical cannabis task force when she was the district attorney in San Francisco. So I've watched this whole, whole thing from the beginning and really the front row. And there was a lot of people uh, getting, getting prosecuted at that time prior when we had Terrence Hellenam. We didn't have anyone getting prosecuted at that time unless the narcotics department went in and stepped in and went over the uh, went over Terrence and went over the district attorney's office and went directly to the feds with with the information that they had. And that was that was how how, how it was back then. Um, she 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 had more arrests while her under her tenor um, uh, as attorney general for cannabis than her predecessors. And it's just is just mind blowing to me that people buy in to this rhetoric that she tries to pump down people's throat. And especially the thing, the thing about Tupac, bro, that I was like, that, that, that timeline doesn't even make sense. If anyone that has a, can understand time and a calculator, you know what I mean, in a calendar. Should, should know that she, that's I mean, she, she got she got rightfully no roasted for that too. i don't i don't think she yeah, did yeah. i don't think she got rightfully yeah, roasted at all she should still be getting roasted for that today yeah, i mean we're roasting yeah, her right now she came out digital underground in 1990 she was in um she was in law school in the early and 80s. she was in the yeah. bay area and tupac spent time in santa rosa and tupac spent time in the he east did. bay and that is where she grew up that is where she started practicing in alameda and so it's not just that he's a cultural figure it's not that, that he just represents an Aaron a zeitgeist it's not just that his mom was part of one of the most progressive and instrumental movements in racial equality in the history of this country right. It is also that this is the same geography and to be able mm -hmm. to misrepresent that, to misspeak to that, to try to pander to a certain community. And I'm not going to say that she didn't get her own law degree. And I'm not going to say that she didn't build her own career. But when you're Willie Brown's I, side, I, I'm going to say and hold when on. you get. I don't I don't believe that she built her own career. I'll, I'll, I'll go as far when as you're say that. well, let me finish my okay. point. When you're Willie Brown's side chick there we and go. you get political appointments to an eighty thousand dollar committee over here and an eighty thousand dollar committee over there. It's not it's not accurate to really mm -hmm. present yourself as a self-made person in, in in terms of that career trajectory. And I said it before, we need a black woman president. We need a black woman vice president. We need to see more diversity in the upper echelons I'm of government in any of branch. We need the right ones, not I agree. this yeah. one. I just don't believe Absolutely. in identity sorry, politics, and I believe I'm, in the right person say, for the I'm job. I'm very, very sorry if this sounds like we're just like completely Kamala bashing right now, but we are. We're just going. We're, we're, no, we're just going over the. It's her record. That she, that, no, we're just going over the material that she has given us, and I 100% on a personal note, I 100% will not support and will not be supporting Donald Trump and his goons. But the Democrats, if you want my vote. The Democrats got to come up with something different than this bullshit lying and pandering that they keep on doing. Because uh, my vote, that. vote most likely won't be going their way either. But you know, I'm just saying. Damn, right, right. son. Mm -hmm. That's I, I agree with that... everything you just said. Um, this is not me getting pro DT. It is just calling bullshit on bullshit. And that's what we're here to do. It's yeah. all right. It's all right. They've got guys. plenty of other things positive and okay. that are not lies that they can actually run on and they can connect with younger audiences uh, on. But um, this ain't it, man. This it's is this, it. this ain't it. It's not it. Um, well, enough, en en enough with that. I'm going to roll into this last story real quick for you guys. You guys ready for this? 
Oh, he approves of the message, you guys. Did you guys hear that? Oh, man. This is a little long one for you guys. I'm sorry. But DFL petitions Minnesota Supreme Court to revoke major political party status of the marijuana party, you guys. Minnesota Democratic Farmer Labor Party asked the state Supreme Court on Tuesday to decertify the Legal Marijuana Now Party as a major political party. The DFL alleges the Legal Marijuana Now Party hasn't complied with the state's new election laws and that its recent nomination of a presidential primary candidate against her wishes illustrates the party's disregard for the law. DFL Chair Ken, uh, Ken Martin also wants the court to order Secretary of State Steve Simon to bar legal marijuana now from nominating a presidential candidate. Democrats have an have an interest in seeing the legal marijuana now party, one of the two parties driven to legalize what is now legal, lose its major party status. The other grassroots legalized cannabis party is now a minor party. Republicans have at times seemed to collude with the pot party candidates in an effort to siphon votes away from Democratic candidates in close congressional and legislative races in enraging some Democrats. The campaign treasurer for the Legal Marijuana Now Party candidate in the 2nd Congressional District race in 2022, for instance, posted a photo of herself with a flag depicting President Donald J. Trump photoshopped as Rambo holding a bazooka. I think that was actually a Trump card oh, that, that, that they were selling. That they were selling. Did you buy that one, Jason? I think, I think that was. Did a you Trump pump card. it up that one? Did, did, you, was, did you buy into uh, uh, Donald NFT. Trump's latest mm-hmm. NFT pump? Yep. Major party status con- uh, confers significant advantages, especially ballot access, negotiating the need for the expensive and erroneous process of collecting signatures to appear on the ballot. The Secretary of State's office declined to comment, citing pending litigation. And Dennis Schuler, chair of the Legal Marijuana Now Party, told the ref- told the reformer Tuesday he was unaware of the lawsuit but said he wasn't surprised because the DFL and the GOP parties have been have long have been hostile to outsiders in quotes they don't feel like we're worthy of being part of the political system they've made rules to try to eliminate us Schuler said citing the new election laws passed by the DFL controlled legislature the Minnesota legislature last uh, session created new criteria for major party status to qualify a part Party must hold land conventions and have executive committees for at least 45 counties or legislative districts and must submit documentation that includes the list of dates and locations on those conventions during a general election year. The DFL in its in its court filing includes correspondence between Schuler and the office of the Secretary of State Schuler um, in, in this first letter seeking major party status, said the party held conventions in June of 2022 and April of 2023 in a second letter. Schuler said the June 2022 convention was for state congressional district, uh, county, and legislative district conventions. The Secretary of State's office told the Legal Marijuana Now Party it needed to submit specific dates and locations of the conventions, and Schuler submitted a third letter, which included a list of the party's 2022 conventions. The list uh, consisted of its state convention, eight legislative district conventions, and 67 legislative district or county conventions, all held at the same date 
in June 2022 at an address in Bloomington and online via Zoom. The DFL is uh, is file in, in its filing said it was Im- implausible for the majority party to hold all its conventions, including its state convention, on the same day at the same location and via Zoom. In addition, the Legal Marijuana Now party stated a Facebook invite that the state convention was one hour long. In quotes, in in its uh, practicality and logistically impossible for 76 separate conventions to be held on one day, let alone one hour and in one location, the DFL's court filing states, it, in quotes, it, it is inf- infeasible for 76 bodies to, of delegates to complete the business of each unit in one hour at one location. The filing also states that the Legal Marijuana Now Party is ineligible to participate in the presidential election because state law only allows a major party to do so if it if it holds a national convention and the DFL says in its court filing that it does not. The DFL also cited recent reporting that found that the Legal Marijuana Now Party candidates did not consent to being on the party's ballot for the presidential primary and the Star Tribune last week reported that the party placed Colorado uh, resident Crystal Gable in the Minnesota presidential primary without her knowledge and Gable said she learned of her candidacy through a Google alert. In quotes, the legal marijuana now party's disregard for the requirements of Minnesota's election law is un is underscored by its purported participation in the presidential nomination primary and designation of at least one candidate for that election who neither requested nor consented to appear on the ballot that DFL said in his court filing and the DFL said Simon a democrat in his in his third term made an error in certifying the marijuana party as a major political party and asked the supreme court to correct it the legislator legalized low dose uh, that, that, that doesn't even matter that's pretty much the rest of the story you guys and in the final quote it says it's a great symbol of what we stand for but it's more than just the leaf Schuler said we don't uh we don't dictate the candidates what and how they should believe we just support them well 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 it sounds like a whole big old problem going on in Minnesota, it's not just beverages going having problems out there, Rico. What do you think about this? I didn't even know that these parties even existed. I think it, it, this is this is a movement, man. Like people are are not happy with the Republicans or the Democrats. And um, I, I know this is just the marijuana party or the cannabis, whatever uh, they're calling it in, in this state. But you're going to see more and more of these parties popping up because. People don't want this old bullshit, man. You got two 80-year-olds running for president, and uh, you have all of their lackeys on a state level that don't listen to you, don't listen to what your needs are. Um, I think we should open up on a federal level, at the very least, we should open up ranked choice voting and allow some other folks to get some shine and to push initiatives that actually Mm -hmm. uh, um, come from the people. Yeah. Right? so uh, whatever there's a DFL party, whatever down for life, mm-hmm. <laughs> <Party. Yeah. laughs> and, uh, and and yeah. and whatever you're gonna see more and more of these fringe parties uh, popping up, and I think you're gonna I think the actual Republicans and Democrats are not far off from being the minority, and um, 
Yeah, but here's the deal, right? It's dumb as dirt, and I don't mean living soil, to have a single-issue political party <laughs> because people have many concerns in their life. And to have a single issue, and I don't care what that issue is, whether it's the abolition of nuclear weapons, whether it's equality for all, parties have to have planks, and they mm -hmm. have to have positions on many issues, and they have to appeal to all the concerns and considerations of their constituents. And if you can't get that figured out, I don't really know that you deserve to be on the ballot for anything. I, I agree with that. And and honestly, it to me, it, it provides some more support and validity to the, the DFL party's claim that it's the, the legal marijuana now party or whatever is really just a prop for for the local Republican yep. party to to siphon votes like that that I completely agree with with you Yara that my first thought was that seems like a very narrow scope to to create an entire political party around and you you really hit the nail on the head the way you described it so um I mean it'll be interesting interesting to see what happens in Minnesota but it does sound like the party that's the plaintiff in this lawsuit might have some some validity to their claim. Mm -hmm. Yep, exactly. It should be definitely interesting, and we are gonna keep you guys posted on new developments. Whatever, whatever happened to whatever happened to Red Man's party? I, I mean, in all far, in all fairness, when I first reading this, I thought that that's what they were talking about, and then realized as I, the I article it was went too. on that, that that it was had nothing to do with them at all. Right? Yeah. I, that's, I saw it's DFL. Another, another big, I thought another we were big. back in. You, you remember DFL? Yep. Like, don't don't don't. Down for life. Get there, left it, Teffy. Get some snap rap going on. Yeah. Girl, shake your left it, Teffy. Right? Man. <laughs> I actually just heard that. I heard that song at a bar this weekend. It was, it oh, came out of Of course left you did. You live in Austin. Yeah. Dude, like, yeah, I mean, if that was playing at the bar that you were at, <laughs> we we, again, we were down, we were down on on thirty six for a for a birthday party. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, I that bet. bar most likely had two dollar beers, did it not? <laughs> yeah, they were like they were like two fifty, I think. <laughs> two for five, two for five. <laughs> Bars that play uh, the, the, the shake that laffy taffy and um, uh, followed by Journey. I think I think it was they, they saw a group of like four thirty to forty year olds walk in the bar and they were like pandering to to the old guys at the mm. spot because you know it was like pretty much all college kids otherwise yeah hey watch it if that's old then I must be archaic <laughs> yeah I believe me I felt I felt I felt like. An old man walking around there. You said it, Yara. Yeah, put on some Lil John and me and my homeboys back in the day would stomp you the fuck out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Statue of limitations is yeah. up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thank you all for joining us for yet another episode of High Nine News. You can catch us live weekdays, 9 a.m. Pacific, High Noon on the East Coast. Big shout out to our super fans showing love, getting their comments posted live on the big screen. Our live audience and online supporters catching us across all media platforms, tuning in each day to the headlines of chaos, also known as the developing cannabis industry. To our vetted correspondent team tuning in from all over, bringing us much needed variety of perspective and your respected opinions to the table. Our production team, cloud media partners, our sponsors, keeping the lights on and our AV struggles to a minimum. Adam back there with the good hair. That's right. The good hair. Adam yep. with the good hair. He got a, he got a haircut over Still the Still claiming too. not to be the one that Jay-Z stepped out on Beyonce with. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> As always, Cannabis Sativa L, the reason the Hyatt 9 News team reads these headlines daily. Thank you too, baby girl. It has been Wednesday, February 7th, 2024. The show's over. You've all been blessed with the top industry headlines. Hope it's enough for you to put in your pipe and smoke at least until tomorrow. My name is Rico Lamit, the dopest dad on the street for Hyatt 9 News, Cannabis Industries' number one daily news show. So hum, Shaw, right back at you, my brother. What you got for us to take us out today? 
Weed for the People. Yes, Weed for the People. Uh, it's been a great show. Always good to chat with everyone. Hope everyone stays positive, stays lifted. Roll one up, smoke one down. Oh, we'll see you next Wednesday. Yeah.